the problem that I noted in episode 24 about naming and the assumption that what is named is some rigid, persistent, well-defined thing that never changes doesn't just apply to names of people. Exactly the same problem arises in a slightly different format where we use words like justice or liberty or freedom, even words like love or duty. And in particular, we can see it in a word like democracy. Democracy, we might be tempted to think, is well-defined, and therefore, since it's well-defined, we can compare any particular political system with it and say that is democracy to such an extent, 50%, 75%, 0%. But that's not really the case. Democracy doesn't exist as some final defined thing any more than justice or liberty. It's not something that already exists to which human societies and political systems approximate more and more closely or more or less closely. It's a permanent work in progress, an experiment in human self-organisation whose nature remains undefined, emergent and so evolving. We will know if it fails, but not whether it will ever succeed finally and definitively. For the success of democracy as an experiment will always be indefinite. Democracy, as you might say, is not historically compressible. You can't get there faster than you can get there. But it doesn't exist in some final defined form that we are trying to implement. It only exists to the extent that we are managing to implement it. And this, of course, is one of the great dangers of the erosion of democracy in the modern world, in the United Kingdom, particularly, and in the United States, particularly, and to different extents right across the world, including in those states which aren't, of course, really democratic at all, since the people have no say in the determination of their own lives. Why does this matter? Because implicit in the notion that democracy already exists is the notion that there are those who already know what it is, and indeed where to find it, or how to lead us there, like Moses taking the Israelites across the Red Sea. In other words, the notion that there are some modern equivalents of Plato's guardians or philosopher kings, the establishment of whose role would, based upon their wisdom and perspicacity, enable them to lead us into a perfect democratic society by taking responsibility on our behalf for the, the establishment of something that has already been defined and that can be established without our active participation. It's only a short step from this 
to the view that Lord Sumption has reported that 54% of the UK population, according to a recent Hansard Society poll, agreed with the statement that Britain needs a strong leader willing to break the rules. But I would suggest that that's the very last thing we need. What we need, and what I wouldn't say perhaps alone, but what is perhaps most likely to bring about the emergence of anything that looks remotely like the democracy Lord Sumption envisages, and which John Stuart Mill and John Dewey envisaged before him, is the very opposite of this insidious sense of dependence upon other people to live, live our lives for us. And to forestall the obvious objection to this, those might say, well, we don't want others to live our lives for us, we just want others to run our political systems for us we can immediately observe that such a distinction is just not only bogus, but the core of our problems. The problems between living our lives and running our political systems. Our lives are our political systems, and you only need to think about the plight of some of the people in Russia to see that. To believe in democracy as a human aspiration along such lines as assumption sketches is to believe that to live is to be involved in running our social and political lives. It is to live social and political lives. It is to believe that the very notion of a professional political class, here I'm afraid I differ from Lord Sumption, is antithetical to that aspiration, as is the belief that it is someone else's legitimate responsibility to run our political and social systems in the single most pernicious common source of the enemies of democracy that Sumption identifies. So let me summarise this in a principle. The merest readiness to contemplate seriously the notion that I am not a sovereign individual legitimately entitled by birth with absolute equal and inalienable rights to determine my own existence is enough to destroy the possibility of the democratic dream, indeed to destroy the very possibility of life itself. We are, nevertheless, fundamentally interdependent social animals. So this strong insistence upon individual autonomy might seem incongruous. But the supposed dichotomy between our autonomous sovereign individual lives and our organised social lives is massively and misleadingly overdrawn. Our societies are created from and by our lives as sovereign individuals and if they are not then the societies themselves are systems of suppression, repression and enslavement because they are sustained at the expense of the very people that they are supposed to help. So, we can't be democratic 
unless we are participants in our own political systems because not to be participant is to suggest that somebody else has a legitimate responsibility to organise them for us. And the point that I'm basically making is that they don't. And of course someone will come along and say, well, we are a constitutional monarchy, if not a representative democracy, and we have systems of representation through members of parliament that mean that we are, in a sense, participants in our own political fates and societies and systems. But I think that the shenanigans of recent months and years have shown that there is something deeply corrupt, that's the word, deeply corrupt about this system of representation. And it's time it should be changed.